Well, hey everyone, Uh, I'm Brad. And I'm Starla. And this is the Fruitful Family Podcast, where we discuss our faith, family, and farming. So what are we going to talk about today? Our family. Today we're talking about our family. Now this is our third attempt Mm -hmm. at recording this episode and we'll see if we get through it because right over here we have a sleeping baby so uh we are hoping he holds out for us while we while we talk a little bit about about family so why don't you just to start us off why don't you just share a little bit about our family yeah to kick us off so we have eight children, seven of whom we have had together over the last 10 years. 11. I mean, well, but. 11 years of marriage, 10 years of right. child, child bearing yeah. since, his, since he was born. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So our, our oldest together is 10 years old as of a few months ago. And so basically. For the last 11 years, I've been pregnant or nursing a baby completely nonstop. I've been in one of those two seasons, and they're all about one and a half to two years apart. That's the the average is somewhere in there. We started off pretty quick, pretty early, and then uh, in our older years, we have slowed down a little bit with... uh, their proximity. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, and it's been a real joy. Um, maybe we'll talk about this part of the way through, but we, um, after our third child together, we almost did something permanent to make it so that we wouldn't have more babies. And after going to the consultation and some wise counsel from a friend, this we, is all on you, Aaron Bell. All on you, buddy. We decided that we would just kind of let God decide how many children we were going to have, barring anything really serious happening right. with me or a baby. Right. So. Yeah, uh, and part a big part of us having as many kids, and spoiler alert, um, as far as we're concerned, we're not done. Mm-mm. We're... Uh, we are hopeful that that the Lord will give us more children. So, um, I forgot where I was going with that. I don't know. I don't know either. So, I think, well, we were going to talk about uh, what influenced how we thought family would look. Right. Do you want me to answer that? Sure. So a big part of uh, my idea of family was kind of like the antithesis to what I experienced growing up. Uh, I am from a divorced home and I'm an only child. And so I wanted to be a dad Mm -hmm. and I wanted to be a husband. And those were the two like main things uh, that I wanted and from a pretty young age, I wanted those things. Um, 
I had been, so I grew up in a suburban community where everybody was a professional. And so, you know, it was cookie cutter homes and literally everybody had like 2.3 kids. Mm. That was what everybody had. Mm. And um, we kind of saw, or at least I did, saw what what we've become, the large homeschool family uh, kind of is like the weirdos on the block. And um, were there any in your neighborhood? We not in my neighborhood. Um, we had a, a couple homeschool families in the church. Mm-hmm. But by and large, that was not. I didn't have a lot of interaction. And so I think because of that, and we actually have a homeschool episode planned uh, to talk about that and we can get into this more, but like my perception of homeschool is just probably the same as many people's perception of homeschool. Um, at least maybe up until recent years. Uh, and so I was around a lot of families. Um, I, I can think of a couple families in particular. Uh, one is, is the Marks family and uh, they really, took me in, was discipled by Keith, and uh, I developed a love for Dana Carvey's stand-up and for his five kids and saw him interact with his wife. And uh, Starla got to meet them Mm -hmm. finally a few years back when we went for my high school reunion. And uh, they're just the the sweetest family, but they're Mm -hmm. they're very honest. And we... I had the opportunity of watching them, um, you know, celebrate new life and argue and all kinds of stuff. And so they were really big. I, I saw he was kind of, that was kind of my go-to example of like, this is what it means to be a Christian husband and father. Mm-hmm. And so they were, they were very um, influential and kind of made that desire grow within me to do those things. Um, so all of those influences, but because I came from like a suburban environment where everybody was professional and everybody had two kids, right? You know, the question is how many kids do you want to have when you grow up? Isn't it funny that that's the question? That's always the question, right? (laughs) Because if you don't say enough, right? Like you're weird. Like, why don't you want to have kids? But if you say like anything over <laughs> like two, <laughs> two or three, you're also weird. Um, and so my answer was always, well, I just want to have as many as the Lord would allow me to provide for. Now, that was my super spiritual way of saying two kids. Because I thought my perception was that more than two kids is just not manageable. It's not financially feasible. It's um, in every way, shape, and form with school and sports because I was a sports kid. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I knew how hard it was for my single mom to take one kid to everything. And so that was kind of my, my framework as a kid of what I imagined my family would be like. So I imagine being a professional somehow um, 
until, you know, I started pursuing ministry. And then I was really like not going to have more than two kids because they're I, poor. I wasn't going to get rich being, being in ministry. Right. Um, and, and so that was kind of, that was kind of my idea. What about you? Yeah. So I, when I was younger, maybe a young teenager, I babysat for a lot of families. I was the neighborhood babysitter. And I definitely envisioned myself having children, probably at least like three or four, because that was four was really the max of children that I ever babysat for. Um, And then when I was in college, I was around some Mennonite families that were larger, like five and six kids. Um, Our children. You might be hearing our children in the background. (laughs) They're like right outside our door. I don't know what they're doing. Anyway, um, so yeah. Speaking of family. So the larger family seemed really appealing. It just looked like fun. I loved kids. I've always loved kids. Um, And my appreciation for them has only gotten stronger the more we've had. Um, Children are really important. Uh, Yeah, so I wanted to have quite a few Now, there was a time in my mid to late 20s before you and I got together that I thought I would never have kids. I thought I would never give birth. Um, I just had heard a lot of bad stories. Because you didn't want to? Well, so this is what you hear from a lot of people. They ruin your body. And I had an okay body as a middle middle 20s woman. And uh, I also was just afraid of children for a while. And thought that I might like mess children up. So <laughs> I thought I maybe would adopt, but that's it. Uh, so, but then when I hit 27, I wanted a baby bad. Like my biological clock finally ticked loud enough for me to really hear it. And I really wanted a baby. So that was kind of the end of me being, I think, afraid to have children. Or I didn't care if I messed up my body at that point. I just wanted a Have baby. you ever seen Raising Arizona? I have, but it's been a while. Nicholas Cage, mm-hmm. Polly Hunter. Yeah. And her line is, Hide, get me a baby. That's just what I thought yeah. of right now. So <laughs> Right. Sorry. Except I didn't want just a baby. I wanted <laughs> a baby from my loins. <laughs> <laughs> to use some biblical terminology. <laughs> so considering both of our backgrounds, um, uh, it's probably safe to say neither of us expected our family to look the way it does. Mm-mm. And I can't imagine anybody's does look exactly the way that they imagined it in their younger years. In what ways would you say our family is uh, similar mm-hmm. to what you had imagined or hoped for? Mm-hmm. Uh, in what ways is it different? Hmm. So, I mean, we have more children at this point than any of the large families that I ever hung out with. They had five and six kids, which seems like so many children. And we have eight now with seven being on a regular basis. Um, so, so we have way more children at this point than anybody that I was really around. I mean, the most kids that people had were 
five and six kids. Like, that was a large family. A generation before, maybe it had been seven or eight, but it had only been five or six for a while. Like, that was a large family. Um, and so our family's bigger. I enjoy our children immensely. Uh, so I think I enjoy having so many more maybe than I thought I would, although it seemed like a lot of fun. Um, but I didn't necessarily, I don't know when I thought I wanted to homeschool. I guess when I, I knew I was pregnant with Haddon, I, I really wanted to homeschool him at least for a while. The thought of sending him away all day to a public school, because you were kind of against private schools at that time, uh, that really scared me, I think. Uh, so I really enjoy homeschooling them, and homeschooling is really not so hard. What about um, what about our relationship? Yeah, I was just going to say, we have a far better relationship than I ever thought possible for a husband and wife. Um, so I think for me, a good relationship I envisioned like being kind of young looking and attractive still and like going on dates. Cause so for some of the people that I babysat for who seemed like they had a good relationship, that was the model. Like they would go on dates every few weeks. They were still young and attractive and seemed to like each other. Um, and I think, are we young and attractive looking? I mean, I'm maybe... Not. Maybe. I'm I'm neither young nor attractive, so <laughs> maybe to people older than us were that. <laughs> it's but, all relative, right? But, <laughs> but we have such a good relationship, um, and that has—I mean, would you say blood, sweat, and tears over the years? Like we've yeah. worked pretty hard yeah. to have a good relationship, right? Um, so I'm not sure I knew how much work went into having a good relationship. But I am really thankful that we do have a good relationship. And even, um, even how we like structure our family, our relationship, right? Even, right? Because it's been, it's no secret we were both married before, mm-hmm. previously, right. um, and so, like. Share like your structure, like. You mean like our daily life? How is that different? Or no, not like that. Like your, how you interacted in in kind of gender roles. Your gender role within your marriage. My first marriage. And yeah, and ours. Yeah. And so we had, yeah, we had a egalitarian relationship. At least like that's what we said we had. Um, but in reality, I didn't do most of the cooking or cleaning, so I don't, that part wasn't really equal. Um, and I, I think most of the time I earned a little bit more. Um, and so I guess it was equal in that we both worked and we both did cook and clean some, um, but it it was you put yourself through school by working mm-hmm. through graduate school and massage mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. well my mom paid for massage school but then okay. i put myself through graduate school through graduate school yep and you worked full time while he was going to graduate school 
Yeah, right. ish. I mean, I I think I worked at least 20 hours, 20 to 30 hours as a massage therapist, which is a lot That's for full a massage time. therapist. Yeah. Um, it's quite a bit. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a busy, a busy. Okay, so that is, I mean, yes. My life was extremely busy outside of the home. Um, and that did not make for a good marriage. I was also on birth control, which I think was not good for me personally. Um, it didn't make me very nice. So I was not the wife in that marriage that I am in this marriage. Um, which is in large part why I'm divorced from that person. Um, because, yeah, I spend all of my time at home now. <laughs> I don't get out much, and I'm happy with that. I go to church, and that's pretty much it. She commented the other day, just kind of as like a like a pat herself on the back, like, it's been so long since I've been in a Kroger <laughs> or a Walmart or whatever. I don't know which I mean, it was. It may, Maybe it was both. And I was like, it's because I go. Brad's my personal shopper. <laughs> Because I'm making deliveries for the yeah. business and I'm out doing things for the business. Yeah. And so it makes sense. You're um, not my errand boy. Correct. You just, you're already out. I'm already so out. So it doesn't really make sense for me to drive 45 minutes to go to a grocery store just so I can be doing the shopping. I mean, right. that would be actually just silly. Right. Um, but yeah, so I spend all my time at home and I love it and I am barefoot and pregnant. <laughs> Not right now. Not right at, now. As far as we know, at the time that this episode is yeah, being recorded. I'm not pregnant. She um, is not pregnant. But I really do enjoy caring for our home and caring for our children. I work as a massage therapist here. Um, yeah, I just, I love our work. And my days are devoted to our children, serving the Lord and serving you. And serving the Lord, serving you, and serving our children is the order that it would go in biblically but just practically I have to give a little bit more energy to the children at this right. point because they're still little the phase of life that we're in yeah you sure. can wipe your own but <laughs> <laughs> that's that is a true statement I can um so for me it's different in a lot of ways one uh, because I was married before, and so that was that was one thing I didn't want for my life was I had experienced that as as a child of the eighties, where like everybody was from a divorced family and and I wanted to stop that. Um, un- unfortunately, that was not my experience um. But, um, from even from when we met 12 years ago, which the other day we discovered our first Facebook interaction and it was terribly plain and vanilla and our pastor made fun of me for my response to you. Um, but since then, like everything has changed. Um, just in how we interact and what I, I perceived my role as mm. a husband and a father is 
has has changed and grown over the years. Um, obviously, <laughs> the Lord answered my how many kids I can provide for um, because he has found a way to graciously provide. Uh, even being uh, farmers and business owners um, to provide for for eight children and it it can be done it is possible and and I get the benefit so again another dynamic of our family is the typical family what the husband even if he is if if his work allows the wife to stay at home mm-hmm. with the kids and she's able to homeschool and all those wonderful things that you do right. he still leaves every day Mm-hmm. from eight to five or six or, you know, we know dudes in our church that leave at yeah. 5 a.m. and don't come home until eight or 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. because they drive an hour and a half just to get to work and their jobs are just crazy. Um, but, but the Lord has afforded me the opportunity not only to provide for my family, but to be here right. with my family. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I had ever because I grew up among all these suburban professionals where everybody w- worked in sales. Mm. Like that's what everybody did. And, um, you know, it's ironic too, that I always said, I'm not a salesman, but I own a business and my job is to sell my product. And, you know, my, my big focus this year has been to sell it to retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a difference between selling somebody else's product and something I'm digressing here, but what I'm trying to say is my, my perception of my role in the family has, has significantly changed. Yeah. So how, how do you think it's changed? So you named that you are home mm-hmm. and you help, you are a present father a lot because you're home. Right. But how else has your, your idea of the role of father or your job, how has that changed? I think just even my relationship with you, right? I think we've, we probably would have identified early on in our marriage. We probably would have said, Hey, we're, we're complementarian, And that just in the past decade, that's taken on so many different meanings. And then you had, there's a division of camps now where there's soft complementarians and hard complementarians. And we probably would have fallen into the hard complementarian. Um, and, and we're, it seems like those don't, those words don't apply to us anymore. Um, and that there, there are different categories of, and I don't even think it's things that we've tried to do. Mm-hmm. It's just as we've looked at scripture and the role of the woman and the role of the man in the family um, has, and and it's been a kindness. I think the Lord's been doing it in us together, mm-hmm. like at the same time. And so we're not warring on this where, um, and there have been times where she's come to me and she's like, you got to lead. 
Yeah, I think if anything, it's not a war. If anything, it's a, it's a, sometimes, there have been a few things that I feel like the Lord has really put on my heart and maybe hasn't always put it on your heart at the same time. At the exact same time. And so I've kind of been praying and planting some seeds. And then in God's timing, he has made those seeds grow and become very apparent to you and and then it's born fruit in our marriage because it doesn't matter if you are egalitarian or complementarian or whatever the husband does lead the family right he just does he either does it either very does it well poorly right. and and the family is in shambles or he does it well and the family and biblically in a godly in a godly way right right i think I think just one of the the other things, and it's where we get the name of the podcast, um, just the notion, uh, and we kind of touched on it early on in this episode of, you know, we had, uh, we went to, we were pretty committed to getting, to me getting a vasectomy um, seven years ago. It was after London, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so it was right after she was born. And, um, I was, I had planted a church and had, uh, another elder with me and I'm so thankful for the conversations with him. He caused me just to stop and think through things. And I think really where we ended up, like the first command to mankind that Mm -hmm. God gave has just been, there's no avoiding what God's intention for the family was. And that was to be, to be fruitful and to fill the earth. And, and obviously through this podcast, we're, we're using that in several ways, right? Uh, be fruitful with bearing children, mm-hmm. be fruitful um, with farming, um, be fruitful um, with discipleship, Mm-hmm. Like in a spiritual sense, be faithful yeah. or fruitful. Um, and even when it comes to uh, business and vocation and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. So that's been, I think that's been a big, one of the biggest transformations for me is just seeing that very first command. And that, that this was God's intention for the family was to be fruitful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think if you look at animals, so if you were to look at our farm animals, farm animals, when it's time for their bodies to make another baby, they, they, they do just it. do. Like, they don't stop and think, oh, should I do this? Like, do I have enough food? Is this, I mean, they, right. they just, now, they if just there it. isn't enough food, their bodies won't. make another like if they're malnourished their bodies won't make another baby but in general living out in the wild when they're getting what they need their bodies will just keep making babies and that really is the way that god has designed us and so i think that's one thing animal husbandry has taught us just in general is is you have that but then you have the the health aspect of it too right so if uh, take our pigs for example uh or our dogs we have uh, Great Pyrenees livestock guardian dogs. If they're if they're underfed and they're malnourished, they won't reproduce. 
But if they're overfed and they're they're just fat and gluttonous, um, they also won't reproduce. Right. Their bodies reject all of that right. in, in both extremes. And so, um, yeah, so again, that gets into more episodes for us to talk about fitness and health and things like that and, and how they're important in being a fruitful family as well. Right. Yep. Um, so let's, let's move on here. We're, we've spent a lot of time as, um, in, as we are in ministry, um, as I planted a church, we're in the backyard of, you know, the flagship seminary of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, we have a lot of interaction with young married couples. Um, we actually have a family, a young married couple here on our property that just bought a house and today they closed on it and, um, came over here to, to let us know. And we're really excited for them. But given all of this interaction that we have with those who are younger and, and maybe there's some that, that are watching, listening, thinking, how do I get there? Mm-hmm. What's, what's a couple things that you would say to them as, as they're considering these things, or maybe they're, they've been married for a while. And they're re, they're doing kind of what we've done slowly over time, and they're reevaluating things and mm-hmm. thinking through what, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, so I would say one, if you're having trouble being fruitful in your marriage, um, get with someone who has a lot of children, and who loves the Lord, and ask them to pray for you, and ask them how they have done that, because it isn't by accident that we have seven children. Like, one, that's a kindness and a graciousness from the Lord, but we have done things together that help us to be fruitful, like, physically. And there have just been a lot of things that I have done on my end to help my body to be healthy through so many pregnancies. Um, And so there's always someone who can help you, whether it's emotional, physical, spiritual, Someone is always going to be there to have wisdom to help you. You just have to reach out because just praying about it is not always enough because God put other people uh, on earth, other believers to help you and to encourage you. So first thing you would say is find somebody, find Christian family Mm -hmm. who has a lot of kids, right? who serves faithfully and just talk to them. Yeah. Ask them for their wisdom. How did they get to where they are? Um, and then, yeah, I think that's the that's the first thing I would say. Maybe the second thing, too, is you really have to have a good relationship with your spouse. And so if, on my end, if you are trying to lead constantly or you're really naggy about the things that you think aren't right in your relationship together, you just, you have to stop that. You have to trust the Lord, pray, and then allow God to soften your heart to your husband and just pray for him. And God wants, 
if if those things are godly, then God will bring them to light as you learn to love and submit to your husband, which is hard. <laughs> it's, it can be a hard thing to tell a young woman that, um, especially if she didn't grow up in a Christian home, seeing a godly father. Yeah. I think one thing I would say, um, and we were talking about it today and we were discussing what this, what I actually mean by this. Um, and I think you can even take it back to, uh, our very first date. Um, so, so the thing that I would say is, um, men and women, you have to learn to communicate honestly. Mm. Um, and, and in particular, I was listening to another podcast today. One of the things he particularly says is, is to communicate your expectations. Uh, and that could mean a whole wide range of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of, the, one of the things that I think has served us well in our marriage has been communicating expectations or desires sexually. So just feeling the freedom... Um, to talk to each other about um, those needs Mm -hmm. and to not be ashamed or afraid of that. Yeah. So we're now joined with, uh, joined by Owen, who is our newest. (laughs) And uh, hopefully he can uh, let us get through the last few minutes. Um. But we, in, in speaking of communicating honestly, mm-hmm. um, even goes back to our first date where uh, Starla was looking for one thing and I was looking for something completely different. And on our very first date, I just told her that and said, hey, like if you just are, are looking uh for somebody to take you out for dinner and you want to have fun, then okay, like we can, we'll have fun. We'll finish the date and, and that'll be it. But I was looking for a wife and I told her that straight up on the first date. And hook, line and sinker. She, (laughs) well, he told me that after I had basically already fallen in love with him. So no, I mean, he doesn't like that. <laughs> Why are you unhappy about that, buddy? <laughs> so you say, talk to somebody. We say, communicate, um, be open and honest about expectations. Yeah. Um, anything else that you would, you would say? Um, I mean, I'm sure that we'll talk about this in other episodes, but, um, yeah, I mean, Having sex really is important. Yeah. Um, I mean, it can make or break a marriage. Absolutely. And I heard today um, Eric Kahn on the Hardman podcast says that a, a sexless marriage is a dead marriage. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, for women, there's just so much that can go wrong for women and sex. Um it could be having babies and not feeling like you have your body back. It could be abuse in your past. 
Um, it could be, you know, your hormones are out of whack. But I, I think the advice is still the same. Like, you have, if things are not, if you are not desiring to have sex, then you need to find someone to talk to who can help you and not a professional, like a godly woman from church. Yeah. Who, who has a lot of kids. <laughs> probably. I mean, because there's one thing that's happening in that household, you know, if she has a lot of kids. Right. Yeah. So it, but it is important and it's not just important for your marriage. It's important for you because God made you to enjoy being fruitful, not just enjoy the babies, but enjoy the part. I just want to get this, get this on the record, right? So you're a mom of. Eight, who stays at home, literally barefoot every day. On a scale of one to ten, how oppressed are you? <laughs> I'm not oppressed <laughs> at all. I know. I know. I, I seem, uh, I would seem on the outside oppressed. And I mean, the, the funny thing is, and I think that God is. Well, culturally, to- they want you to be oppressed. Like, that's, they, they want you to feel oppressed, right? <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you when I felt oppressed? When I was working like 40 hour, forty to 50 hours a week for someone else. A wage slave? Yeah I, f- yeah, I felt really stressed out. Yeah. And my marriage was in shambles, and I, I did feel not I, – I felt oppressed by the culture, hmm. I think. Those expectations that were unnatural? I, I mean, I suppose that's what it was. Yeah. But yeah, when I was a young teenager, 18, 19, I wanted to have babies and stay at home with them. Um, and in my, I'm almost 40 now. That is exactly what I want to do is have babies and stay at home. And I'm not oppressed. <laughs> it's on the record now. So, <laughs> I mean, if anything, I've, I've invited much of this upon myself on purpose. The last thing that I would add um, is, is kind of from my personal experience. Um, and I'm sure that there are other guys who have felt this, right? We want to do things, right? Like men, um, we want to, we want to build, we want to conquer, we want to accomplish, we want to fix things, right? Like when Starla comes crying to me, like, I, I don't want to hear the crying. Just tell me, Tell me what I have to do to make it stop, right? We want to do things. But for me, leading my family, specifically spiritually, because I feel like I had failed previously, um, I had become afraid of failure in leading my family well. And so what that fear did was the fear paralyzed me and prevented me from doing anything at all. And it basically was a self-fulfilling fear. That because I was afraid to fail at leading, specifically spiritually, that I was doing the exact thing that I was afraid to do by not doing it. And so I would say, guys, like, you're going to fail. And I just preached about this a couple weeks ago, too, that um, 
you know, if you're going to lead, you know, a family worship in your home, uh, as a, as a theologically trained, uh, pastor, you know, I, I thought it, they had to sit still and be quiet and we had to talk about, you know, all the, um, big words. The ten and, points of Calvinism. <laughs> there's 10 now. <laughs> but we, it had to be this like Five. big deal. <laughs> That'll be another episode. <laughs> Like it just had to be like this, this big liturgical church service with just my kids and everything. And if you have kids, you know, that's never going to happen. It's not realistic. There's not a family worship that we do every Tuesday night where I'm not telling kids to sit down and be quiet. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I don't know why you're talking about dinosaurs right now. Spider-Man is not in the Bible. Like, and it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's a highlight for all of us. You don't have to, time. you don't have to have this big verbose, theologically astute, laced with Greek words. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to know how to play guitar. I know how to play guitar and I don't even play guitar. We, cause YouTube is much better than my guitar playing. All of that to say. If you're afraid to fail and you're paralyzed because of it, you're already failing. And so take the initiative, step out, do the hard thing and, and be okay with it, not going how you want it to go. Um, but like Starla said, you're, you're leading one way or another. Right. Um, you're either leading poorly or you're leading well. And a God honoring, Christ exalting. <laughs> I would say too, don't be afraid as a man, don't be afraid to lead because you're afraid that your wife will feel oppressed or because your dad didn't do it well or because maybe you see some schmucks doing it poorly on TV. Like, you know, those are all just not good reasons to not lead. And honestly, a, a godly husband who leads his family well who uh, tries to train his children and bring them up in the admonition of the Lord and who prays for his wife and cares about her and makes sex a priority. Um, I don't, a wife is not going to, I don't think she's going to feel oppressed when you're, when you're leading well. She'll just be happy that you're, you're taking the initiative to do it. So I think we've covered quite a lot as far as family goes, and we've opened the door to, to quite a few other episodes that we hope to, to record soon. Um, do you have any, any last thoughts as we, as we land the plane here, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, you know, listeners know, because everyone's talking about it now, people are not having children. Hmm. And it is a real shame um, because having children is such a joy. Women are missing out so much by having a career instead of having children. And I would even say many children. Um, I think, I think is it for the first time ever 
that the American birth rate has fallen below replacement. Hmm. I may be wrong on that, and I don't have the numbers, but I believe... We are, I think, below replacement. I think we're below replacement in birth rates in America. Yeah, and so I think (coughs) even in Christian circles, people always ask, like, oh, my goodness, are you guys done? Like, you know, you have so many kids. And I think instead of asking... How, or, or expecting couples to be like, oh, well, you'll just know when it's time to stop. Like, maybe we could just say, let's just have children. The Lord knows when it's time to stop. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. A, a plant doesn't decide for itself when it's going to stop bearing cucumbers. It's you just know? had enough. <laughs> yeah. I have too many cucumbers. Well, this one. Well, that's a good place for us to <laughs> sign off. So uh, the last thing I would say is um, you can do it. It's possible. Um, and, and God calls us to be fruitful as a family, uh, to be fruitful, to multiply, to have little blessings like this uh, bouncing around and eating all the wires uh, of our equipment here. But you, you can do it. And, and to be honest, like we're, we're, not, we're not rich by any stretch of the imagination. We don't make a ton of money with our business, but the Lord provides for us. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we, ha- we make a lot of decisions in favor of being fruitful and having more children than having stuff. Um, and so that, that affects how we do things, how how often or where we go out to eat or the things that we buy for presents and things like that. So, but it's possible. It's doable. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the fruitful family podcast. We had to cut it short due to our family requiring time of us. So if you enjoyed this, if you were encouraged by it, like, and subscribe, follow the podcast. If you haven't already, We'd love to hear a comment from you. Let us know what you think or ask any questions of us. In the meantime, as always, go and be fruitful.